Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. I'm honored. I'm blessed to be here. I have the best pastor in the world. Thank you, Pastor Ruben, Pastor Stella. They've been such a blessing to my life. Words can't explain how blessed I am to them, but if we could all just pray real quick before you guys sit down, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, I just thank you for this day, Lord Father. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord Father, that I get to speak your word, Lord Father. I pray that you just use me as a vessel of God, Lord Father, that you just lower me down, Lord Father. Let your words come out of my mouth, Lord Father. Let your spirit take a hold of me, Lord Father. I pray that you just fill up this place, Lord Father, with your presence, Lord. I feel it already, Lord Father. Let it pour down into this place, Lord. Such a powerful anointing, such a powerful presence that everyone in all the neighborhoods, they could feel it, Lord Father, that they're all drawn here, Lord father that you put your covering you establish your angels around this city lord father that you keep all those things out of here lord father all those attacks to the enemy lord father that you break them down that you tear down those strongholds that you go into the deep dark places lord father and you shed your light onto them lord father that you reach them that you draw them here to this place lord father where they can be blessed with your life lord thank you for this day lord father thank you for this evening that i get to preach i give you all the honor and glory in the mighty name of jesus we pray amen Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. You guys may be seated. I'm here today to talk about the importance of protecting your heart. I'm so drawn to the heart. When I, was, when I came to the things of God, the person that stood out to me that God placed in my heart was David. I was, in, I was in bed one night, and after working so many days and days, and I was just sitting there looking at the roof, wondering... Man, I can't go to sleep. I was, I was tossing and turning for hours, and then God just put it in my heart to open up your Bible. And I, I've grown up in the things of God. I've grown up in the things of the church, but that doesn't mean that, that you're a Christian. That doesn't mean that your heart's right with God just because you're in the church. So I was in the things of God, and I knew that my heart was away from God. And my dad, he always tell me, build your relationship with God. Build your relationship with God. Those were the words that he would tell me. He wouldn't give me no long message, no long speech. He would just tell me, build your relationship with God. And so this moment, I was sitting there, and I'm, I'm looking, and God just put in my heart to, to read the scripture, and I read it in, in Psalms, and it was talking about David. He says a prayer to God. He was running from his enemies, and he tells God, put me in the shadows of your wings. But I just imagine that in the shadow of God's wings, I was like, that's a powerful place to be. That's as protected as you could be. You're not even on side, side by side by, with God. You're way behind him in the shadow of his wings. He's so far ahead of you that he's, you're so deep in his protection. I, I was imagining it. And I was like, man, who is this guy? Like, I, didn't, I knew who David was, David and Goliath, but I didn't know him. But I, I was like, man, who, who is this guy just to pray to God like that? Who is this guy just to say this? I'm like, I'm going to say the same prayer as him. Matter of fact, so I said the same prayer as him. And I just fell asleep. I went to sleep, and a seed was planted in my life. And then after a while, it took a while, but I started to seek after the things of God. I started to search after David, seeing what his heart was like. How does he have this relationship with God that he could talk to God and he could just answer his prayer? 
How could he just talk to God and things would be done? He just knew it. He, he spoke with authority. He spoke knowing that what he said would be done. So when he spoke, I was like, man, I, I was drawn to it. I was drawn to his heart, how his heart was after God. And I started to read and understand what his heart was like. And I, and I read it in different, in different people in the Bible. And Jesus in his heart, it was just after God. He didn't care about nothing else. It was so important, the heart. The heart was, was the center of their life. And that was what was drawing me to these men. And I wanted to be just like them. I wanted, I wanted to be just like David. I was like, man, God, I don't want this heart that I got. This heart that I have is wicked. It's, it's messed up. It's twisted, God. I want a heart that wants to please you. I want a heart that's obedient, God. I want a heart that want, wants to do what you want me to do, Lord Father. And I started to pray for these things. Thank you, Jesus. I, I started to pray for these things. And, and God started to change my heart. He started to deal with my heart. But once God changes your heart, you know... When you accept Jesus in your life, you're a new creation. You're transformed. You're not the same person that you used to be. You have a new heart with new desires in it. And that heart that God gives you, you want to protect it at all costs. But sometimes in the Christian church, we're not even aware of our own hearts. We just go about life and we're not even concerned with, with what's happening in our heart. To be, a, to be a Christian, to stand firm, to stand for a long time, to be durable, you have to be concerned with your heart. You have to examine your heart. It's very important. It's one of the most important things you could do because it will tell you if you're on track or off track. It will tell you if you're going in the right direction or the wrong direction. It's very important to protect your heart at all costs. I want us to go into Romans 8, 5 through 13. And right here, it reads... Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So if we let our sinful nature control our minds, we're just leading ourselves to our own death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Leads to life and peace. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want death. It's not talking about just one death. It's talking about eternal death. Going being gone forever, being tormented for the rest of your life, death isn't just happen one time. If you were to die spiritually, then you'll be dead for eternity. But if you were to live spiritually, then you'll live forever. So when it's talking about the life here, it's talking about eternal life. You know that this life, it's like a vapor in the morning, in the fog, when it comes up. It's only there for a moment. It's so short. But the, all of eternity is not even a speck compared to eternity. So it's a serious thing where your life goes. It's very serious. I want to minister on the importance of protecting your heart. The heart is the most important part of the human body. Now, I'm not talking about the physical heart. In Greek, the word is cardia, meaning the seat of your life or the center of your life. It's the center of what everything that comes out of it. it. It determines your character. It determines your words. It determines the way you think. It determines the way you do things. If you're willing, if you're not willing, if you're frustrated, if you're angry, it determines. It's the center of everything that you do. It's the center of your life. So when you are born again in Christ, you're a new creation with a new heart. As believers, we need to protect this heart because the devil is after it. He's very, he's very much so real, and he's good at what he does. And he's after your heart. He often plays with our mind in order to get to our heart. Our mind is that doorway to get to our heart. He, doesn't, he can't just get into your heart. 
First, he has to go through your mind first to get into your heart. As a believer, there should be certain thresholds stopping things from getting into your heart. You know, things might try to come knock at the door. They might come and want to come into your heart, but you're the one that determines whether you allow them in or not. Now, look, when, you're, when you have a home, I assume you want a lock on the door. You, I assume. I think you do. Some people, they want security systems, right? They really want to be protected in their home. Some people, they get security cameras, and they watch the cameras daily. They're constantly checking, checking out the blinds, making sure that their home is protected. Well, you know what? Some believers today, they don't even have a doorknob on their, their door to their heart. Anybody could just push it open. Anybody could just come. If they, if they wanted, they could just come in. It says that a man without self-control, which means control yourself, but also examines yourself, which also being aware of yourself, a man like that is like a city with broken down walls. Anything that wants to could just come in. If you're not even aware of your own heart, I'm sure many things are right there that you don't know about that are twisting you, that are helping you make different decisions that you shouldn't be making, that are making you be disobedient, that are making you be rebellious, that are making you full of all types of wickedness because you're not even aware that the devil is after your heart. As a believer, you have to constantly check your heart. It's like looking in a mirror. You know, women and men, we look in mirrors and we, we check on ourselves right now. I was checking my hair in the mirror and they're like, don't worry, you look good. But you know what? You can't, you can't rely on nobody else. You got to check on your own heart. You can't, you can't, you can't take it, uh, outside advice. You need to check your own heart. It's different if it's your pastor and, and everything, but what I'm saying is you're responsible for your own heart. You're responsible for the choices that you make. You're responsible for the way that your heart looks, for the way that your character is. You're the one responsible, not nobody else, not your father for what he did to you, for your mother, what they did to you, for your friend that backstabbed you, for this and that. Nobody else is responsible for the way that you act, for the things that you do. You're the one that's responsible for your own actions. You're the one that's responsible for your own heart, for your own character. Now, women, you guys are very meticulous in, in how you check you guys yourselves out in the mirror. You guys pay attention to close detail. You guys check your eyebrows, your makeup, your hair. Everything has to be done perfectly. Well, that's the same way that we should be looking at our heart, examining it, checking out each little detail. How did I act today? How did I wake up this morning? Did I have a good attitude? How did I respond to that person that was, that was attacking me? Did, did I show them love? Did, did I act in a godly way? You know, I pray a lot. God, let me love what you love and hate what you hate. I'm always praying that prayer. But then I realize, too, what happens when I hate what God hates? Do I act in a, in a, in a man's reaction or do I act in a godly way? Because, you know, there's some, some things that get your reaction that get you mad. And it's fine if you get mad, but how are you reacting to those things? That'll show your heart. Maybe you want to do the things of God, but maybe you're not reacting the same way because you're not examining your own heart. Now, what is this heart supposed to look like that we're supposed to protect? Because you want to protect your heart, but if it looks wicked, then you're protecting something that's crazy, that something that doesn't need to be protected, something that needs to be dealt with. You want to know what your heart is supposed to look like? We could go into 2 Corinthians 5.9. I love the way that this scripture puts it out. It puts it plain and simple. This has been one of my favorite scriptures for a while. 2 Corinthians 5.9. And it says... So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. 
So who is it talking about? It's talking about pleasing God, not pleasing ourselves, not pleasing our wife, not pleasing our husband. No, our main goal is to please, the, please him, the one that gave us this life, the one that trusted us with his life. Our goal is to please him. Now us, we're in debt. We're in deep debt. God, he gave us his son to die for us, and it says that we were dead in our sins. We didn't have nothing to live for. We were living for things that were killing us, things that, that held us slaves, that held us captive. I was held a captive to my, sla- to my sin. I was held a captive to my own desires. I was held, and those things, they were killing me. It was killing me softly. It was killing me slowly, a little bit here, a little bit there. It was slowly wrapping its, its chains around me, and it was killing me. And I, but really, it wasn't even killing me. I was just dead. I was already dead. And I thought that I was living. I was, I was heading straight to hell. And what did God do? He showed me his love. He gave me his son to die for me, and he changed my life. So now what do I do with this life that he's given me? Now what do we do as Christians with this life that he's given us? You know that this life is not yours. It's not mine, this life, but it's God's. God's the one that trusted me with it. So what am I doing with this life that he's trusted me with? Am I protecting it? Am I taking care of this body? Am I taking care of my spirit? Am I taking care of it? Or am I just walking around life aimlessly, unaware of the things that are coming against me? As we look at Solomon's life, I think that we could learn a lot from it. I want to look at who he was, what he became, what he had, and what he faced. Because Solomon was faced with the same thing that us as believers are faced with. It's the battle of protecting our heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. It's saying before anything else, before you protect your kids, before you protect your husband, before you protect your wife, before you protect your family, before you protect your brothers and sisters in church, protect your heart above all the rest. That's what's most important. All those other things, they're good to protect. Yes, those things are good, but above them, seated at the top, protect your heart above all else. And you only guard your heart against something that's trying to attack you. You don't, guard, you don't guard yourself against little kids. You know, you don't guard your, yourself against stuffed animals, against, against little, little pillows. You don't have to guard yourself against things that are, that are safe. You know, you guard yourself against things that are real, things that are really out to kill you, that are out to destroy you. So Solomon, he wrote this Proverbs right here. He realized that his heart was under attack. Our hearts as believers are going to be under attack. Whether you want it to or not, there's a war that's going on, and your flesh and spirit, they're waging war against each other. And not only that, the devil and your flesh. So you got two against one. The devil and your flesh, they're waging war against your spirit. And your spirit, you have to be strong spiritually and aware, protecting your heart, because there's adversaries out there to kill it. Now, in 1 Kings 11, verse 1 and 2, if we could go there, I like the way the New King James Version puts it. It says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites, from the nation of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them. Look, he said, the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your hearts after their gods, surely, not maybe, surely they will turn your heart after their gods. And then right after that, it says Solomon clung. 
to these in love. He clung to them in love because he thought that's what loved him. Sometimes we think that these things, they please us, they satisfy us, they love us, so we cling to these things. It says he clung to them. He thought that they knew what he was going through. They thought that, he, that they could help them, that they could help him with what he was going through. He thought he needed the love from them. And it says that he clung to them, but God just told him that they will surely turn his heart away from God. Well, look, disobedience is the devil's tactic to get your heart to turn, to get your heart to change. You know, that's his, that's his number one tactic. In Genesis 3, we could all go there. He got Eve to disobey God first. In Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. Yes, the devil, he's very smart. He's very, he's very crafty. The Lord God had made, it was more crafty than any of the animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden, he will test what God has placed in your life. He will test the word of God that was placed over your life. The things that your pastor told you, the things that your leader told you, they spoke to you. He'll, he'll test them. He'll be like, did, did he really say that? Did, like, he makes it seem like it's a bad thing. Man, you really have to go to church on Sunday? Man, you really can't drink? You really can't do these things? Really? And it says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. He says, you will certainly not die. Come on, it's just one drink. Come on, we're just, we're just going to smoke one time. It's the holidays. It's Christmas. Come on, it's just one party. It's just one time. You, you go to church the rest of the year, but Christmas, come on, let's party. Let's have a good time. You're with your family. You know, even your family, he'll use your family to make it seem all right because you love them. Remember that Solomon was clinging on to them in love? He'll use the people that you love to change your heart. He won't use the people that you hate. He'll use the people that you love first. He'll use them to change your heart. And he goes on to say, you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She was having a conversation with the devil. She was, she was compromising. You know, just because the devil speaks to you doesn't mean that you have to speak back to him. Doesn't mean that you have to communicate with him. Doesn't mean you have to have a whole conversation with him. You know, she wasn't realizing that. She was playing into his game. She forgot that he was the crafty one, the smart one. Don't forget that, you're, that the devil is crafty and smart. He's going to play a little game with you. He's going he's gonna to throw out his, his fishing line and see if you bite. He's going to ask you a couple of questions here, a couple of questions there. And then he gets you to play along with his little game. And, he's, and he starts asking you, did, did they really say that? Come on, it's not that bad. What can it do to you? It's good, it's good for you. It's from the earth. It was done. It's natural. It's natural things. These things don't hurt you. Come on. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't lie. There, there's science behind it, you know? He, she tries to play this, play this little game with you, and, you know, it says that she, she believed him. She, she started to, 
It was pleasing to her ear what he was saying. Because the devil, he will please your ear. He will say things that are sweet to you. He'll speak sweet nothings into your ear until you bite, until you, until you start to accept them. You can't have that conversation with him. It doesn't matter if you don't know any, a lot of the word or it doesn't matter if you know a lot. You don't have to have a conversation with the devil. You just say, rebuke you, devil. I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from God. I rebuke you, lying devil. You don't have to speak to him. You don't, you, know, you don't have to speak all these crazy sermons to him saying, no, this means this and that means that. No, I rebuke you, devil. I don't even want to hear from you. You're not going to waste my time. I'm, I'm focused. I'm, I have a goal in mind. Now, who else did the devil get to disobey? Well, in 1 Samuel 15, 2, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they what they, the Lord Almighty said, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. God is saying, I want them completely destroyed. They came against my people they came against the ones that I love, completely destroy them, completely destroy these wicked people, he's saying. And then if you go on to verse 9, it says, but Saul, but Saul, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. How can it be good if God just said, to destroy it, right? Everything that was good, good in their own sights, that's what it was. These, they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. You know, in the Bible, it says, if your arm causes you, causes you to sin, to chop it off, if your eyes cause you to sin, then to gouge them out. But sometimes because they please us a little bit, we think that they're good. He thought that these things were good after God just told him otherwise, after your pastor just told you otherwise not to be doing that. But since you're, you're clinging on to it in love, you're thinking, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. No, the word of God is the word of God. If God tells you, if God says it through your pastor, through your leaders, then it's the word of God. There's no, there's no debating. There's no compromising. We can't be a compromising Christian. You cannot compromise. You have to live by the word. You're either a, a friend of God or an enemy of God. It's one or the other. So how foolish and wicked do our hearts become in, in disobedience? Because look, if you go on to verse 20, the crazy thing is, he wasn't even realizing it. It says, but I did obey the Lord. Saul said, I went on the mission the Lord had assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. When you start to disobey, you start thinking things are right that are wrong. He didn't even realize what he was doing was wrong because he wasn't protecting his heart. All these types of things were getting into his heart, and he started to believe that what he was doing was right. He, even, if he, even though he was anointed, even though he, he accepted God in his life, even though you, you accept Jesus in your heart, even though you're anointed, you got a great plan ahead of you, that doesn't mean that your heart isn't going to be under attack. His heart was under attack, and he didn't protect it. And that disobedience started to change him. It started to twist him a little bit. And he became completely blinded, thinking that what he was doing was actually right. And then God strips away the kingdom from him, strips away everything from him because he was disobedient. Now the devil gets Judas to disobey and betray Jesus. If we go into Matthew 26, 26, 14, it says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas, 
Isaiah went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? What are you willing to disobey God for? What are you willing to play that game for? What are you willing? You know, you know what the devil attacks you with. And the devil knows what he attacks you with. And God knows what he attacks you with. They all, we all know your price tag. Because all of us, we have a price tag. And the devil, he's going to try to play it. So if you, don't, if you don't examine your heart and get rid of those things that, are, that keep on testing you, then he's going he's gonna to make you fold. He's going he's gonna to pay your price. It says that, it says, so they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 30 pieces of silver was Judas' price tag. Man, it's, it's crazy the things that we'll do for the right price. It's crazy the, the, the things that we do when, when we start to cling on to these things that are, that are evil to us. You know, we, we have everything to look forward to, but the devil gets you to focus on a little area, a little, a little lack, a little bit of things that, you, that you're missing instead of focusing on all the blessing ahead of you. Don't you know that we have the kingdom of God ahead of us? Don't you know that we have heaven with mansions waiting for us? Don't you know that we're, we'll forever be blessed and we'll be singing praises all the days of our life? And we have so much ahead of us that, that we're wasting away. He wasted away eternity for 30 pieces of silver. Imagine God having a hand and saying, I got heaven waiting for you. I, I said that my plans for you are good to prosper you. Plans of good and not for evil for your life, for your family's life, for your kid's life. And the devil says, don't worry about that. Why, why are you focused on that? Look at this 30 pieces of silver. Look at, look at what I got for you. Look, it's more shiny. You can see it right now. You can have it right now, this instant. If you come to me, I'll give it to you right now. Why do you have to wait for that? I could give you something right now. My stuff is better because you'll get it instantly. Because as, as, a, as a life that we're living, we want everything instantly. We want it to happen right now. We don't want to have to suffer. We don't want to have to sacrifice. We don't want to have to deal with the pains of life. We just, we just want something right now as believers. And... If we don't watch out for our heart, those things, they will come and they will steal your heart away. And it'll do it quickly. And it'll do it when you least expect it. You'll put your guard down and it'll get you. It, they don't, the devil doesn't attack you when you're, when you're ready for it. No, he waits till you put your hands down. When you think you're winning the fight, he comes from behind. You know, I, at first when I was walking in Christianity, I thought that it was a one-on-one -on -one fight. I thought that I was winning the fight. And then all of a sudden, someone else jumps in the ring and starts hitting me from behind. It's not a fair fight with the devil. He comes in all types of ways, in all types of forms. He's constantly attacking you from ways that you, that you wouldn't even expect it. That's why you got to guard your heart from all types of things. Now, disobedience is what opens the door for destruction in our lives. Now, look, we'll, we'll go to um, 1 Kings 11. God specifically told Solomon what not to do. I'll read that verse again. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nation about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not marry with them. As Christians, you need to pay attention to what God tells you to do and what not to do. You need to pay attention to what pleases God and what doesn't please God. If we're, if we're Christians, it says that our main goal should be to please him, like the scripture said earlier. So you need to be focused 
on what God is telling you not to do and what to do. Because if you're not focused, if you're not aware, then when the time comes, you're not, it's not even in your mind. You just do things blindly. It says, so nevertheless, Solomon did what he wanted to do. We too become like Solomon, doing what we want to do. But what we don't understand is God is always looking out for our best interests. Just like a father that watches over his child and tells him, don't play with the fire. Don't touch those knives. But the devil, he comes and he says, but look, it's so bright. It's so shiny. Just come and play with it. Just play with it a little bit. But the father is trying to keep them away from harm. That's, that's what God is trying to do with us. He's trying to keep us away from harm. He's trying to keep us away from hell. He's saying, that's not for you guys. That's for the devil. It's not for you. I don't want it to be your place. Come here. Let me, let me teach you. Just be obedient to me, and I'll take you there. Just be obedient. That's all I'm asking. Just be obedient, and I'll take you there. You don't, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the most knowledgeable. You don't have to be the most special person. Just be obedient. But you know what? The problem with the church today is they don't want to be told no. They don't want to be told no. We don't like when God tells us, tells us no. We want it to be yes. You know, I told a story about how my mom, she would always tell me, and when I was about to make a decision, and when I, when I wanted something, she would tell me, pray to God. Ask God for it. And I'll tell her, what? I don't want to pray, because what if God says no? What if God says no? And my heart was so twisted that I just wanted things to be my way. I was just so selfish. I was so stubborn. I just wanted things to be my way. I didn't care what God had for me. I wanted what I wanted for myself. And that's how we are. Sometimes we want what we want for ourselves more than what God has for us. And when God tells us no, he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us. But sometimes we don't want to hear no. God told Solomon, you must not marry those women. But he didn't want to hear it. He clung on to them in love. You know, when God, you know when God tells you no. You know when God tells you don't do that. When God tells you don't go. When God tells you stop. Stop it already. Why are you doing that still? Stop it. Do, do this. He's telling you go over there. And, but you know when God is telling you, but sometimes we don't respond to those things. We just ignore them. We turn the volume down on God. We just let, we just let that voice go away in our life. We don't, we don't want to hear it because we want what we want more. That's a showing of your heart. And if you're not examining your heart, you're not going to catch that. And you're not going to realize, dang, I need to change. I need to pray. I need to, I need to just get on my knees and, and pray to God. God, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Why am I saying these things? Why am I doing these things? We need to come to God in repentance and say, God, forgive me. I don't know why I'm this way, but God, I want a new heart. I want a fresh start, Lord Father. I just want to do things right. I want to do it your way. But if we're not paying attention, then we're just, we're just going to walk blindly to our death. You know, I've realized that the church, they take correction in, in like a public setting because it's towards everybody. But they don't like to take correction when it's one-on-one. When your pastor pulls you to the side and he tells you something face-to-face, they get offended easily. That's why when Jesus was telling all the disciples... He told them after he was already doing miracles. You guys have seen your pastor do crazy things, amazing things, and he's been blessed, and he's done wonderful, amazing things. He's the best of the best, and you guys have seen that. And they've seen that Jesus was like no other. They've seen how good he was, how, how many miracles he was doing. And yet when Jesus told them, truly I tell you, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, it says that they were confused. They were, they were like frightened by that saying what he told them. They, they didn't want to receive it. They were like, how are, we supposed to, how are we supposed to understand this? This is such a hard teaching. They're like, how are we supposed to believe that you're the son of God? Like they weren't just with him all the way to that point in their time. 
Like they weren't with Pastor Ruben all this time, seeing the type of man he is, that he wasn't a man that was out to hurt them, that he was a man that, would, that loved them, that cared for them, that was healing the sick, that was helping the blind, that was helping them come to life. And they didn't see that in Jesus. They just seen when he told them the truth, they got offended. He says, does what I say offend you? Does what I say offend you? You know, I believe that the truth should hurt, but it shouldn't offend you. The truth hurts sometimes, but it shouldn't offend you. If, you. if you're offended, then you're not receiving it. You could receive the truth and hurt. You could receive it. It's fine to be hurt by the truth. It's fine for it to hurt you, to, to cut you up a little bit. But you have to be open. You have to be able to receive that. Because if you're offended by it, then you don't want to receive it. You push it away. You know, in the Bible, it talks about wisdom being a lady. I wonder sometimes, lady wisdom, she, she speaks to you sometimes. But how many times... Do we reject her? How many times are we going to reject her before she just turns the other way and walks away from our life? And she's no longer there to help us. When our pastors are no longer there to help us because they've been trying to speak into our lives, trying to teach us how to do things, but we're not receiving it. We keep on rejecting the, the words of affection, the words of love, the words that are building our life. But we keep rejecting it. We keep, we keep not using the advice that they're giving us. Do you know that the best advice is to use the advice that you've already been given? That you don't got to go seek new advice. That you don't got to go seek after this problem-solving advice. You just got to use the advice that was already given to you, that your pastor's already been teaching you. I don't have to teach you nothing. You just have to apply the, the teaching that your pastor has already taught you. Now, disobedience will get you to question God's authority. It'll start to make you question things. You know that your heart is starting to get twisted, starting to get messed up. When you start questioning everything that your pastor is doing, when you say, why, why are we going here again? Why are we doing this again? Why do I got to do this on my Saturday? This is my day off. This is my time for my kids, for my family. Yeah, it's good to have your kids and family. Bring them to it, too. You know, if you love them, then bring them to church. Then bring them to the events. That'll be better for them than doing whatever, you, whatever else you're planning on doing. But sometimes we're so focused on ourselves, so self-centered, and our hearts have been so twisted that we don't even realize what we're even doing. Like, like Saul, he didn't even realize that he was being disobedient, that he was coming against the authority of God. That disobedience will get you to question the authority of God. And this is where the heart begins to astray. After God instructed Solomon to stay away from the wives, he held fast to them in love. Those things, you just love them so much, you, you got to get rid of those things that you love that you know are wrong. You got to get rid of those things that you, that you love that God says not to love. If you can't do it on your own, then pray to God and ask for help. Then go seek your help. You, if you know it's wrong and you're still doing it, that's what sin is. You're sinning. You're, your heart is being changed. Your heart is being twisted. If you, if you deal with it long enough, it's going to get your heart to completely change. It's going to get your heart to be completely different. It's going to get your heart to be completely disobedient, coming against everything that God is trying to do with your life. And you're going to be like a stubborn rock that doesn't want to move, that doesn't want to go anywhere, that doesn't want to be dealt with. And when God really deals with you, I would hope that... I would hope that you get dealt with because it's going to be good if God at least deals with you. But sometimes God will deal with you long enough, then he'll just let you go onto your own path. So if God is dealing with you, then, be, then you're blessed. Then you're truly, truly and wonderfully blessed if God is dealing with you. If, it, if you're going through a time right now where, where you're being corrected, where you're being broken down, where what your pastor is saying has been hurting you and, you've been, and he's been dealing with you, instructing you, then you're blessed. Because God won't do that for every, every person. Some people, they're, they're going to go on and they're going to die. 
But when you're being broken down, it's a blessing from God. Now, Solomon's choice to disobey God is what caused him to forsake God's instructions and turn to the very thing that God told him to stay away from. Solomon felt more love for his wives than he did for God. We got to watch who our heart loves. We got to watch what our heart longs for, what it's seeking after. When it starts seeking after things that aren't God, we need to be aware of it. We need to check on it. We need to pay attention to those things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you, what do you mean don't give, lying devil? What do you mean that, that I need to pay for my bills? You know, whenever I'm, I'm about to give tithes or I'm about to give offering, when the devil tries to tempt me like that, well, look, in, in football, the defensive coach, he says, you better make a statement when the guy runs across your face. You better make a statement. What that means is you better hit him hard and you better make them know you're not going to come against me like that. Well, when the devil tries to tempt me in those ways or tries to, tries to negotiate with me, tries to tell me, man, don't give. You know what I do? I say, you know what? I'm going to give more anyway. I'm going to give more because you try to make me stop giving. I'm going to give more now. That, that money's not going to change me. Those things aren't going to change me. I'm going to make it a statement now. Oh, you told me not to come to church this Sunday that, that I had an event planned. You know what? I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to make it a statement that you're not in control of my life. My, my heart is after God. It's there to please God. When the devil comes after you, you got to make a statement to him saying, I'm not going to be that easily moved. I'm not going to be that easily turned. My heart is after God. We got to be aware of the things that we're in love with. You got to remember those wives, they weren't saved. They were chasing after other gods. It says that he was making shrines for them. He was chasing after their gods instead of his own God, instead of the God that, that loved him. He chased after these fake gods that were out to destroy him. And that's how it is when we have worldly companionships, worldly girlfriends, worldly, worldly husbands. Well, look, I'm not married, so I can't give you marriage advice, but I can give you dating advice. And if and that girl, she don't want to don't want to come to church. She don't want to do the things of God. You tell her go kick rocks. I don't want to deal with you. I, you ain't the one for me. If that girlfriend, she don't she don't want to take the correction of God. If it's if it's godly correction, then tell her then you're not the one for me. No worries, it's all love. Go go your own way. And if that if that guy that you're talking to, if he don't come to church, if he's just out in the world running a mug, then tell him you know what. I'll love you from a distance. I'll love you as a brotherly love. I'm not going to love you as my husband because I know that you're just out to destroy me. You don't have to tell them that they're out to destroy you, but you know that the devil is going to use them to destroy the things of God in your life. And you got you to gotta get rid of those things that are worldly. If you're a Christian, you better marry a Christian woman, a Christian man. You better not be looking out in the world. You better not waste these girls' time in the, in the ministry of God. And you better not waste these men's time in the ministry of God. And you better not go chase after those worldly companionships. What, what a waste of a life to go chase after a worldly man or a worldly woman when there's great men and women of God in the Christian community. God is just waiting for that perfect timing for your life. You just got to be able to be molded, to be shaped into that man of God, to lead that woman. And you got to be shaped into that woman of God to, to follow that man, to submit, to follow the direction of God in his life and your life. We too run like Solomon. We too, like Solomon, run to things that we shouldn't when we feel like God doesn't understand. You know, sometimes it takes a while for God to do something in your life because you've been doing things the wrong way or you've been chasing after the wrong things. Or sometimes even when you're doing the right things, God takes his time because he's dealing with you. Sometimes we feel like he doesn't understand. We just want it quicker. We just we, we end up settling for something that we should have never settled for in the first place because we think that God doesn't understand. 
So we got to be careful on who we're giving our ear to, who we're listening to, because they will feed us things that sound good. We, but we get the choice in who speaks to our life. We get the choice in who we hang around. We get the choice. You are the one that makes that choice in your life. So if those friends aren't good for you, then get rid of them. If, the, if those people that, that are your homies, they ain't good for you, then, then get rid of them. If your girlfriends ain't good for you, then get rid of them. If you're hanging around all these worldly girls that are, that are giving you worldly advice, that are speaking worldly things to you, it says that bad company corrupts good character. You know, good character is not an easy thing to, to obtain. It takes long, hard work to get good character. And yet, even though it took long and hard work and it took a lot of time to get that character, it still says that worldly companionship corrupts good character. It'll corrupt you regardless how good it was. I believe that Solomon thought that he was wise enough to deal with all those women. He thought that he was wise enough saying, yeah, God, you said not to the Israel children that they can't marry those wives, but God... I'm the wisest of the wise. I'm the wisest man to walk this earth. I could deal with them. I won't fall into their temptation. I'll make, I'll make them submit to me. I'll make them submit to you, God. I'll do it. I'm wise enough to do it. His wisdom got him in trouble because he thought he was so wise that he forgot to be obedient. You know that obedience is better than wisdom. Obedience is better than knowing the whole Bible. Obedience is better than knowing all the scripture. Obedience is better than having all this great, these great knowledge and these great ideas. When it says obedience is better than sacrifice, it's saying obedience is better than, than your smart ideas. Then all these ideas that you keep giving when the leader tells you to do something, you say, why, why don't we do it this way? You're thinking that you're giving them good ideas. You know that obedience would just be better if you just did what they said. It would be better than trying to come up with this master scheme that makes everything work easier. You know that they're in charge because God put them there, not anyone else. You know, when David, he was, he was praising, he was singing these songs of praise when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant. His wife, she got mad at him and she said, why are you dancing like this in front of all these women and, and showing off and doing all this stuff? He says, Dude, I'm not dancing in front of these women. I'm not dancing in front of anybody. I'm dancing for God. I'm doing things for God. And he says, it was... What he, what he says is, he says, it, it, wasn't your, it wasn't you that made me king. It, was, it wasn't even your father that made me king. It wasn't this whole nation that made me king. It was God who made me king. It was God who made me king. And God is the one that placed the authority on our lives. God is the one that placed authority on your life, on my life. And if we don't respect that authority, then we're not respecting God. Then we're coming against God. If you can't honor your spiritual father, then you can't honor God. If you can't honor your spiritual father, you can't honor God. Because that's the authority that God placed on our life. Now Solomon had a great influence on his life. He said he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had a thousand women speaking into his ears. How many, how many people do you have speaking into your life that are not godly? How many? I could barely deal with one girl who is godly speaking into my life. I don't know how you could deal with any more, how, can you, how you could deal with a lot. But you know your heart is turned when your desire and your passion starts to change. When your desire and your passion starts to shift. When you don't really want it that much no more. When, when all these other things are coming up and you start chasing after those instead of God. When, when, they, when your friends, they tell you, hey, come on, come on Sunday. We're going to have this event. We're going to have this Christmas thing. You know, Christmas Eve is coming up. Making a statement to the devil that you're going to be at church. That you're going to come and celebrate the things of God. That you're going to come here. Don't let, the devil pay, don't let the devil pull your cards. Don't let the devil pay that price in your life that gets you to change your heart. 
You know that God has changed your heart when your desires and your passions are changing, when your willingness to do the ministry is no longer there, when you no longer really want to be a part of the ministry, when you no longer really want to be an usher, want to be a teacher, you want to do something else, you want to do something more, or even then, you don't want to be a teacher no more, you want to be, you'd rather be in the sound booth, or you'd rather be up here preaching. You know that every part of the body of Christ is just as important as the other one? Everyone is important to the things of God. God doesn't care about your, about your status. He doesn't care about, that, about where you're at. All he cares about is your heart. It says that man looks at the outer appearance. Man looks at the authority. Man looks at the, at the title. But God, he's looking at your heart. It doesn't matter if, if you're out in the parking lot and you're doing something there or you're out in the kids' ministry or you're an usher. If you do it with a good heart, God is going to honor that. That's what God honors, your heart. When your attitude begins to change, when they tell you to do something and, and you're just a little bit mad about it, you know, when the, the, the alarm system should be, should be ringing at that point, when, when you're starting to get an attitude. Like I said, your home, you want a security for it. Your heart, you want a security for it. So when my attitude starts to change a little bit, when I get frustrated, when I start getting angry, when I start getting mad, that alarm system starts triggering. And I say, man, what's going on with my heart? God, forgive me, Lord Father. Change my heart. I don't know why I'm acting this way. I don't know why my attitude is changing, God. I don't know what's going on, Lord Father. Deal with me, Lord Father. Change my heart. Do you know if you don't like your heart, you could exchange it for another one? You know what I realized in the, in the book of Daniel, it says that God placed a hunger in those men's lives. He placed a hunger in his lives. So my understanding is, God, you go place whatever you want in me. God, I don't like this heart, God. I want a heart that's obedient, Lord Father. I want a heart that loves you, God. I want a heart that longs for you, God. I don't like this wicked heart that I got, this heart that wants to please myself. I want a heart that wants to please you, God. I want a heart that wants to do whatever you call it to do, Lord Father. A heart that's obedient, a heart that submits to you, God, a heart that, that loves you. That I want a heart that's durable, God. I want a heart that, that endures through all situations, God, that, that I could get beat down but I'll still keep going Lord Father I want a heart like that I constantly ask God to change my heart to make it better to to fix me up because if your heart's changed and your heart is heart messed up when we open these altar calls you could come up here and we'll pray and we'll get you a new heart we'll pray to God for you and your heart will be changed I know how many times I don't know how many times God has changed my heart but it's been a lot because a lot of times disobedience and things they draw they drew me away from God and they they try to twist my heart a little bit but I, I had to be aware and I had to be concerned with how my heart was looking and I had to get on my knees and I had to pray to God that prayer is what changes your heart that prayer is what gives you that protection that prayer is what what guards you and whenever your heart is looking wicked whenever your heart is is getting a little attitude getting a little frustrated chasing after those things you got to get deep down in prayer and you got to you got to be a man that's willing to make a decision a woman that's willing to make a decision to cut those things off out of your life you gotta you gotta make quick decisions as a man of God you gotta if something's if something's coming to tempt you you know the devil he comes slick and he says does that does that tree really is that tree really off limits you gotta be quick to say I rebuke you devil don't play along with that game you gotta be quick in your decision making to please God you gotta say I'm pleasing God whatever it is once you hear that it's not pleasing to God you gotta make that decision because I truly believe that the Holy Spirit inside of you is telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing. I know how many times God tells me, don't do that. And I got to make that decision quick because if I play with it, 
then sure, sure enough, I'm going to fall for it just like Eve fell for it, just like Saul fell for it, just like Solomon fell for it. You play with it long enough and you will get burned. You play with that fire long enough and you will truly get burned. You play with that snake long enough and he will bite you and it will hurt and he is poisonous and he will slowly kill you. When you're no longer devoted to God, when you become divided, half in, half out, when you think that you could juggle all these things together, you know that something's wrong with your heart because you're trying to juggle these things when you should just drop all the rest and just focus on God. There's no juggling. There's nothing to juggle. Your, your schedule should be open. Your schedule should be open to be, to be changed for the things of God. What I realize about a schedule is, man, whatever God wants, I just got to fit it in. I just got to be willing because I was reading about David's three mighty men and they were just men that were willing and they did mighty things because of how willing they were. If your heart is willing and your heart is open, then God will do the rest. When David was being obedient, he was being obedient to be a shepherd. He was being obedient when God anointed him king. God anointed David king and then his father told him to go back out and tend the sheep. And he was obedient. He could have said, I was just attended. I was just anointed king. Go tell one of the other brothers to do it. Go tell somebody else to do it. No, he stayed obedient. He's, he's kept being obedient. God began to elevate him. God began to, to deal with his heart. And then, God, and then his dad told him, go give your brothers the cheese. Go give your brothers the crackers. And he was being obedient. When you're obedient, opportunities will come to do things for God. When he was obedient to take those crackers and cheese to his brothers, that's when he was faced with Goliath. That's when he seen Goliath. And Goliath was standing there coming against all the Israelite nation. When everyone else was afraid, since David was being obedient, God gave him an opportunity to become that man of God, to become that woman of God. When you're obedient, God will give you opportunities to do things for God. But if, you don't, if you're not willing, then where, where are you going to get your opportunity from? You're chasing after opportunities in the wrong places. You're chasing after a job promotion, after a new car, after a new house. What do those things even mean? What do those things even matter? Sometimes we're trying to build a life out of sand. We're trying to build a sand castle and it's falling right between our fingers. If you build your life in this life, it's going to fall right through your fingers. It's going to slowly disappear. But if you build your life in, in the kingdom of God, it says it's where no thief, where no rust, where no moth could destroy it. When you chase after God, when you open to God, you're going to build a solid foundation where, where God does the rest. And God, God will hold it. And God will keep it safe. And you don't have to worry about nothing when you do the things of God. You don't have to worry about where, you're going, where the income is going to come from. You don't have to worry about how your family is going to get saved. You don't have to worry about how your husband or wife, what's going to happen with them. When you just do the things of God, God does the rest. When you're willing, when you, when you endure, God does the rest. God, does, God brings the increase. He says, we prepare the chariots, but God declares the victory. So that's saying that you got a responsibility to prepare. You got a responsibility to make those choices in your life to keep your heart protected. You got to make those choices in your life to keep yourself in line with the things of God, to chase after God. You got to make those choices. God will do the rest, but you got to prepare. But some of you guys, you're not prepared today. You've just been going about life and you're unprepared. That's why God hasn't brought the victory. You got to prepare first and then God brings the victory. Remember, the devil is after our hearts and he's trying to fill it with disobedience and he's trying to fill it with all these things of the world, chasing after things that don't even matter. So every time the devil comes knocking at your door, don't open it. Keep it closed. You know, when you see a shady person at your door, you don't open the door and invite them in. You gotta, but you got to be home to answer the door. 
If you're not home, then the, the, whoever's at the door, if they're shady, and they realize someone's not home, they're going to break in and they're going to take. You got to be home at the home of your heart, watching, waiting, seeing who's going to come in, seeing who's going to knock at your door. And when they knock, you keep that door shut as the worship team comes to the altar. You got to be ready for what's going to attack your heart. You got to be on guard day and night. When you wake up, don't wait for the devil to make his first move against you. Make your first move in the morning. Make the first move against the devil. Get into prayer. Get on your knees. Roll out of bed. Roll to the side of the bed. Pray from your bed. Right when you wake up, if you barely open your eyes, pray right away. Don't wait for the devil because the devil, he will come to attack you. He will get you right in your bed. He will wrap his, his chains around you and he will capture you if you allow him to you got to make the first move it's a war going on you got to make the first move against the enemy you got to get into prayer and you got to be consistent consistency is the key to this